0: Welcome to another Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. I created the show with the intention of empowering others to help and love themselves. Aside from weekly skin tips, you will hear me spotlight extraordinary souls from around the world who are making a difference by helping people in their own way. Together we can all make a difference, and it starts with love, love from the hip. The word home comes from the old English word hum which, while it implies a physical dwelling, refers to a village or a state where a good deal of souls are gathered. To most, it is more than just a physical house, but rather a place where we feel that we belong, where we can be ourselves, a place to relax yet get inspired and create. It is a place we can find sanctuary from the chaos in the outside world, where we can exercise control over the things and experiences we want to bring into our lives. Environmental psychologist Susan Clayton says a person's home is part of their self-definition, which is a reason to decorate and modify the immediate surroundings to our taste, displaying our homes as an extension of ourselves. Children are a great example of how we humans build a connection to our homes. Parents of college-aged kids oftentimes will convert their room to a study or downsize and move out of their family home entirely, causing their children to feel deeply hurt because they felt a strong sense of identity in the homes they grew up in. Swiss psychiatrist Carl Jung believed houses to be sacred, giving us humans a fixed point of reference to structure the world around us. He also said that homes are a direct reflection of self, invested with human qualities. Therefore, how we choose to construct the space around us is closely connected to our inner narrative. But what happens if we choose to manipulate our surroundings in order to have the life we want? East Asian culture believes that by arranging buildings, objects, and space in a particular way in one's environment through feng shui, one can achieve harmony and balance. Feng shui, which translates to the way of the wind and water, has its roots in early Taoism. The Chinese have been using its principles to design their homes, temples, and towns for over 4,000 years. Some of the earliest references of feng shui can be traced back to the Zhou dynasty, when it was used to determine the most ideal locations for burial sites. The goal of feng shui is to situate or align with receiving the most and best qi, or cosmic current or life energy. Qi having the same pattern of wind and water can improve wealth, health, happiness, relationships, and overall success in life. And the wrong flow of qi can result in the opposite. Like many other mysterious studies, it too has been labeled a pseudoscience. And for many, it is just a popular superstition. 21st century mainland China has only one-third of its population believing in feng shui, while the rest still consider it somewhat taboo. However, in 2005, Hong Kong Disneyland shifted their main gate by 12 degrees in their building in their building plan to apply feng shui. Several scholars believe feng shui was adapted from India's Vastu Shastra, a book of architecture written in Sanskrit in the 10th century AD and practiced by the Vedic civilization. Vastu Shastra, which means the science of space or building, recognizes the vibratory force of nature hidden in one's residence and surroundings to help understand one's sensitivity to the structure and designs down to the topography of the land. Many of the same principles are shared by both Feng Shui and Vastu Shastra, including relying on the eight compass directions to determine placement and architecture, and the five elements to attract positive energies. Both also strongly believe that the center of the home is very important because it is where all energies combine. And while Feng Shui focuses on Qi, Vastu Shastra relies upon energy as well, but calls it prana. Some differences include, in Feng Shui, the south and southern direction is auspicious, while in Vastu Shastra, they favor the north. Brightly colored painted walls are recommended in Vastu Shastra, and more neutral colors like white, beige, and cream in Feng Shui. Many of the differences between the two are not just due to cultural beliefs, but also geographical and climactic conditions as well. For example, the wind blows in the eastern and northern directions in India, which is why most of the doors and windows are kept in the east or north direction. While in China, heavy dust winds keep them from having doors on the northern side, making them favor the south. Whether you chose to use Feng Shui or Vastu Shastra or Pinterest even, To help you redesign and redecorate your home during this pandemic, it certainly offered healing and helped to calm anxiety during a great time of uncertainty. Lindsey Graham, Ph.D., a research specialist at the Center for the Built Environment at the University of California at Berkeley, told Vogue in May of 2021 that our homes can be incredibly important tools for shaping our daily experiences, how they are organized, decorated and furnished can be curated to evoke a varied palette of feelings, which serves as a form of emotional regulation. An 82% increase in home repairs in the US was reported during the pandemic. There is no doubt many were due to the increased time at home to do these repairs, as well as the increased time to notice them, but perhaps it is also because people became more self-aware therefore wanting to change their surroundings to define themselves better. Anthropologist William Sachs believes people and the places they live have a mutual effect on each other. And he says, a home is not where you live, but who you are. Today on Love from the Hip, it is my great pleasure to have Life Space Coach Tamara Fleming on my show. Tamara will share why she applies coaching to design and how we decorate or maintain our space is a direct reflection of ourselves what certain simple design habits say about us, and more. Plus, we will open up the phone lines later so that you can call in and ask Tamara what your nightstands say about your relationship or love life. So don't go anywhere. We will be right back.
1: Come and open up your folding chair next to me.
2: The passing of our loved ones always proves to be very challenging, but can be met with ease when working with someone who can hold space, compassion, and especially someone who works across the veil. Allow Sakura Sutter, multidimensional channeler and intuitive medium, to be your spiritual guide with the other side. No matter if you choose to communicate with your transitioned loved ones to help you with the grieving process, or connect with spiritual, galactic, and other light beings to explore and dive in more on your spiritual path,
0: Without clogging your pores, irritation, inflammation, redness, post-procedure sensitivities, no problem. With a Skincare Mist, you can continue about your day without the skin dismay. Acne, rosacea, psoriasis, sunburns, rashes and fungus, don't let these skin concerns inconvenience you. Instead, let a Skincare Mist allow you to be happy in the skin you're in. Available at Sakura Skin and Mind. Learn more at esteracare.com. That's E-S-T-H-E-R-A care.com.
3: What would it be like to deeply remember the secrets of your soul so that you can travel the unknown with confidence and genuinely sit back, relax, enjoying life without all the everyday worries? I'm Jen Dushin, a mystic mentor who guides you to align and amplify your soul's true mission. Get healing clarity around your next steps, release unresolved guilt, agreements, and karma, so that you can fulfill your purpose and reach your utmost potential while experiencing true freedom. Awaken the soul power within you today with me, Gender Shen. Learn more at gendershen.com. That's J-E-N-D-U-C-H-E-N-E.com.
4: Protection. Call 206-730-7429 or go to SakuraSkinandmind.com.
0: Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master aesthetician, and your host, Sakura Sutter. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook and to subscribe and share my podcast, Love From the Hip. That's H Y P, anywhere you can find podcasts. Today I have the pleasure of having Life Space Coach Tamra Fleming on my show. Hey Tamara, thanks for being here today. Hey, very excited. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. And where are you joining us from? I am joining you from the beautiful Flathead Lake in Poulson, Montana. Sounds like a great view for the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how long have you been a life space coach? Oh, gosh, I started this work back in the late ni-
1: 1999, early 2000s. When, I, when coaching was new, and I started learning an ener- energy-based style of c- coaching people on their vision for what they want in their life. And because it was energy-based, it also led me to the love of spaces and energy. So we'll talk
0: about that. Yeah. And had you always had an eye for design?
1: Um, yes, I always had a fashion sense. I graduated in uh, in the earlier days from the Fashion Institute in San Francisco, mm-hmm. but I always had this sense of style and sense of balance, actually.
0: Mm-hmm. Were you always styling your friends, too? Oh, that, yeah. Were I'm you that person? My
1: <laughs> yeah. My, my best friend would say, I can't do anything in my house without you. <laughs> so,
0: now, yeah. you also studied feng shui. Is that right?
1: Yes, I did. I studied feng shui with a couple of teachers, three different teachers, actually, in the Seattle area way back during that period of time when it became when it was starting to become popular.
0: And what did you like about it? And also, what did you feel was missing? Well, you know, I love I love
1: all ancient art forms, um, and, and feng shui has been around for thousands of years, and um, it's a very interesting practice, but it basically is um, designed to seek balance, to seek balance between the elements, to consider the elements, to consider the relationship between humans and the earth and the spaces and places that we live. So that's what I loved about it, but when I started to learn more about it and I started to practice it in people's homes, I quickly quickly went from I adopted the energy parts principles of it, but I then said, you know, there's a lot more going on here than meets the eye in the western culture. Mm. And so I started looking at spaces through the lens lens of psychology, which is probably a hip pocket Uh, Love of mine,
0: (laughs) yeah. (laughs) And so then you came to add coaching to your design work. Is that correct? Well, yeah. So when when you're with people, people
1: are generally looking for more of what they want in life, right? Mm -hmm. And so when I started my coaching practice, I was it was the energy based style of visioning that I learned from a woman in Bellingham, actually. And um, as I was learning that style, I be I fine tuned my energy seeing. And so when I would work with people, I would meet them at their houses and I would go inside their houses. And I started to see where their homes were actually either holding them back from what they wanted to create in their future. Or, uh, you know, there were things that they were really unconscious about in their home that was holding them back and then what to do about that. So it became this kind of match between, I'm also really into quantum quantum physics and the quantumness of it. And so when you start looking at what people want in their hearts and you start looking around, your spaces are basically based on your past, not your future. And so, yeah, this is the very interesting part. So when you, when you kind of leap off of feng shui you're looking at some very key principles that are very true for all of us, which, end in nature, uh, especially with the five elements and things, and you're looking at creating balance and you're looking at creating the right environment for that person at that point in their life as well. So some people, maybe you have someone that's sick or, or maybe you're, you're newly cohabitating or you're, you've just gotten divorced, your energy changes, and so if your environment doesn't change, then you're holding yourself back from potentially healing or moving through change or transitioning the way that
0: uh, a better way that you could. That's so fascinating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did, did you find also the challenge with feng shui, and I and I'm wondering if this is the same too for Vastu Shastra, is that people get so caught up in just the manipulating of the environment to suit them to meet them where they're at versus actually also doing the inner work to change as well? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, this is,
1: may may irk some people that are are a- avid believers in in feng shui or any other practice that's outside of yourself. You can use the outside of yourself to change the inside, but if you're not aware of what needs to change on the inside, it makes it a lot harder to change it on the outside. Your space is an after effect of what's going on inside of you. It's something that's going on in your psyche. So I have this wheel that I call the life space wheel and uh, alignment and it basically talks about if your house is all dingy and dirty and and in disrepair you're probably depressed you're probably at the end of a cycle in your life you're probably not quite ready to change but you are starting to become agitated or irritated by what surrounds you and we do that with our clothes we do that with our cars we do that with our homes hmm. and so when like i i'm in an experience right now i've been traveling for business a lot and my closet and my office at home are completely piled with papers. I've just been coming home and dumping things and running off to another trip. And that starts to eat at my psyche. And mm-hmm. so I, I lose energy. I become dissatisfied. I'm not in balance. I can't think straight. That's a really good example of yeah. how our spaces reflect what's going on inside. And there's a breaking point at which we, um, really choose to, to want to make a change. And there, and then there's that really large spectrum of people that are chronic clutterers all the way to people who are OCD,
0: right? right. You know,
1: there's, there's spectrums of that too. So every person's different, they have different needs, but when I added life coaching, it was a no brainer to me because you need to begin with what the person, where the person's at in this point in time in their life what they're feeling, what they want to create in their future, what's in their way in terms of blocks. And then you just literally turn around and use the space as a catalyst to create that change.
0: It's like a canvas. You make it. A yeah, canvas. It's,
1: it, it is. It's like change your wardrobe. If you want to uh, change how you feel when you're, you know, in a meeting or doing a presentation or something like that, mm-hmm. it, it, it matters because it's, Our homes, our cars, and our clothing. I have this saying, there are three skins, the self, our psyche, our clothing, and our homes. Those are the three skins that basically we use as individuals to express ourselves. And we have the luxury to express ourselves in this world, especially in in the Western world. And so when you're looking at all those elements, if if there are things that are out of alignment for you, and again, it goes back to you and what you want, Uh, versus what a cure or a, a, a way of, okay, let me, let me back up because this is so fundamental to this work. If you, change your space based on someone else's cure or solution or belief. You have to try to align yourself to that belief. Mm -hmm. It's not coming from the inside of you. It's coming from the out. It's coming from outside of you in that's going to tend to let work a lot less effective than it is. If the change comes from inside of you and you make that decision, so when you combine life coaching and you, and you work with people's spaces, literally, you can take what they're thinking and show them in the physical world what's happening and how that relates to what's going on inside of them. And it's, it's very quick and easy to see. And once you see it, you can't unsee
0: it. Right. <laughs> That's so interesting. <laughs> Would you say then, though, a majority of us want to be stuck, want to keep being stuck?
1: Well, you're hitting on a a little bit of a tender spot for me because I've been trying to get this work out in the world for over 20 years now. And yes, I think that we as human beings are habitually, we habitually like to live in a little bit of misery. Mm
0: -hmm. We like
1: to live in in misalignment because the, the ego always needs something to work on and it needs something to change. And so if you begin living a completely, Are you moving towards a completely enlightened, a completely aligned life? There are moments in time where you can have that or grab a hold of it. And then there are other moments when you're going through a change because that's also part of human. But I think as a tendency and a habit, we humans tend to want to stay stuck. Yes.
0: And suffer. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, can we touch a little bit more on your life space alignment process and what that entails? Mm hmm. Yep.
1: So over the years, and this is truly, I have so many amazing stories of this work in people's lives and homes. Um, And the one thing that they always say is, oh my God, I had no idea that's what this was, but Hmm. it's so transformative because again, it's easy to see the physical. Um, It's easier to see the physical than it is to change your internal emotions or your thinking internally. So, you know, you use DeCarl. Carl Jung quote, and he actually discovered this. It's in one of his books. He discovered this whole relationship between himself and his home, uh, in his home, his vacation home on Lake Zurich. And he talked about how he kept adding on to this home. And it was a reflection of how his psyche was trying to evolve and develop. Hmm. So all of these things are based in, I would say they're based in energy principles. They're based in psychology. They're based in, Uh, just kind of this relationship that we're constantly trying to have with our our surroundings. And so I invented the process and the life space alignment process begins with your vision. If you don't know what you want and where you want to go, then it's very difficult. You can start moving a lot of stuff around. You can start clutter clearing. You can start painting walls and buying new furniture, but you won't necessarily be moving in the direction that you really, truly want to go. So the idea behind what I'm about to say is that you're using your home as a forward living vision map. In Mm -hmm. other words, anybody that is into manifestation knows that you create it, you feel the emotions of it being true. And so, and then that's what creates the manifestation of it. And so when you're using your environment if you're holding on, so I used to do consulting with real estate agents because houses wouldn't sell and they didn't know why. And so I would go in and, and I, I, we would do all kinds of things, but generally what would happen is we would find out that the owners of the house hadn't energetically let go of the home. Hmm. And so how do you get that to happen? Well, you've got to do some energy work, but you also have to do some, uh, talking to that person that ego that's hanging on to that house and walk them through the process of releasing that house so that it can sell.
0: Right. <laughs> that's you know, that's so an example.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but you're but back to the process. You know, you start with vision, and then once you have the, the your vision, then you literally get up off the the sofa. I when I would go into a home, it would be a four hour interview. We would get up after a couple of hours after the interview, and then walk through the home, and you would very quickly be able to map I um, map between what they said they wanted to create and what was going on in the home that was stopping them from creating what they want. (laughs) Now, an example of that could be they want a closer intimate relationship, but the bedroom that they are in energetically is being used as an office, a, 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 cha- a, 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 a um, nursery, um, a, a storage room for laundry. I mean, you on and on and on, right. All of these things are the things that detract from our ability to have an intimate relationship and, and create that space and time. So that's where then you start looking at what can you do to create that? So, in an intimate space, what would that look like to that couple? It could be that there's nothing in the room but the bed and and beautiful bedding and, you know, artwork that's very symbolic of their marriage or or someplace that they've been together, um, you know, and that's where feng shui starts to come back in because there's physical symbology that's extremely powerful. So instead of calling it a cure, I like to call it symbology because it repre- the things in our lives represent something.
0: Right. And
1: so uh, like um, in feng shui, you might put this thing in the wealth corner of your house but in in reality that thing that you would put in the wealth corner of your house might not represent that to you so it has no internal emotional energetic meaning hmm. so if i want more money then what what exemplifies money maybe it's having really really expensive bamboo sheets maybe it's um having a you know a tempur bed i don't know those are the things that you begin to do and choose and opt into to create more of the things that you want in your life because you're now vibrationally aligning your inner desires with your outer world and your outer world is becoming a, a manifesting machine if you will Now, keep in mind, it's a it's physical. So it takes time to do that. And it's not perfect. And there's no need to make it perfect. It's just the intent and the process that you're going through that creates that.
0: That's so amazing. I was going to ask, like, how long is this process? Because there's so many things that we can work on. Right. Each individual. (laughs) Yeah, you know, when I would work with
1: individuals, that's one thing, but, and, and, or when you're working with couples, that's a whole nother thing, but Mm -hmm. I will tell you that what I'm talking about is not rocket science. And literally I can teach you to see it. And once you see it and you, you, you never can unsee it again. And whenever (laughs) I would do appointments, it's usually men are not so indoctrinated to interiors, women are, we've been trained inside of houses to see and to, to cl- keep things clean and to decorate and to do those things in our culture. Sure. Well, when men see what we're when ta- what I'm talking about here, they immediately see it because they have, usually they have pretty high spatial intelligence. And so they can see something. And then the minute they see it, they start looking around for all kinds of <laughs> other clues. Yeah. And then they start asking questions
0: <laughs> and it's, it's like, like target. Yeah.
1: That Yeah, it's like, yep, you're right. That is exactly. And then they start interpreting the symbology of the things in the house. So I always used to laugh because women used to hire me, but the men took over the
0: appointments. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love that. Well, I'm going to have to interrupt you here, but we're going to take a quick break. Stay tuned for the Weekly Skinny up next and more love from the hip. Also, don't forget this is a live show. So if you would like to call in and ask Tamara what your nightstands say about your relationship or love life, Call one 298 kknw or 425-373-5527. On this Weekly Skinny, with summer upon us and swimsuit season nearly here, I would like to talk about Sea Bather's Eruption, or SBE, also known as Sea Lice Bites. This skin irritation is due to the trapping of small jellyfish larvae underneath bathing suits in the ocean, because unfortunately, as you get out of the water, they get left behind. And the pressure on the larvae causes them to release inflammatory stinging cells, which cause red, itchy, and irritated bumps or a rash on the skin. These tiny, transparent larvae, usually two to three millimeters long, belong to two marine species that sting, the thimble jellyfish and the sea anemone. Sea bather's eruption is usually noticeable anywhere from a few minutes to several hours after you get out of the water. And while you're in the water, you might notice a prickly or stinging sensation. It will typically occur on the parts of your body which are covered by your hair or your bathing suit, which can include places like your groin, butt, stomach, neck, and or back. You can potentially have 200 stings or more, and if you have been stung before, then chances are you'll likely feel the symptoms faster the second time around. Aside from red, itchy, and irritated bumps or blisters, other symptoms can include headache, chills, fever, nausea, and stomach cramps. In most cases, sea bather's eruption will resolve within one to two weeks. To get rid of SBE, the following is recommended. First off, remove your swimsuit immediately. Jumping in fresh water with your suit on will make the jellyfish start to sting again and worsen the pain. Instead, shower naked and wash your suit with hot water and toss it into the dryer to ensure all the larvae are gone. Or simply throw it away. Do not rub your skin, as it will make the rash worse. Take an over-the-counter antihistamine Apply a topical hydrocortisone cream or even calamine lotion, use an ice pack, Keep the rash clean and keep an eye out for symptoms of infection while the rash is present. Sea lice is most common from March through August with their numbers at their highest between April and July. Caused by the shifts in the ocean currents, the highest incidence of sea lice is in Palm Beach and North Broward counties where the Gulf Stream passes closest to shore. Florida tends to warn swimmers with purple flags. Aside from becoming savvy to the winds and currents to decrease your chances of a sea lice outbreak, it is recommended to also not wear a t-shirt nor a one-piece bathing suit as the larvae is more likely to get trapped against the skin. Peach Buzz is great.
3: What a concept. Sakura Skin and Mind wants you to look your very best, and dermaplaning is just one tool in their chest. Find out about dermaplaning at sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A, skinandmind.com. We bring out the healthy skin and
0: healthy way of thinking you didn't know you had. Welcome back to Love from the Hip. I'm spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and your host, Sakura Setter. If you're just tuning in, I'm having a fascinating discussion with Life Space Coach Tamara Fleming. And if you are wanting to know what your nightstands might say about your relationship or love life, call in one eight 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 two nine eight 298 kknw or 425-373-5527. So Tamara, can we talk briefly about blending homes? What is at least one thing couples might want to look at when they're coming together? Well, this is a fun topic for me because
1: it's actually how I started this whole journey. I (laughs) realized that people, when they're moving in together, especially if you're in a relationship, intimate relationship, you, you, you tend to just get excited about moving in together and you jump into it and you don't do your homework. And then all of a sudden you're living, you're a neat freak and you're living with somebody who doesn't, who, who likes to clutter or pile things. Right. Right. And so blending styles is not only just for couples but it's for families with kids and and early on I did fa- I went into family homes and did the kids rooms and all of these all of these conflicts started showing up. And it's each, each individual's person's preference on how they deal with space. And so when you're blending styles, first of all, I wish, I, I, I probably will finish this book at some point, but that's not the one I'm writing now. But the, but the whole idea is when you merge together with someone else, make sure that you look, when you're dating, look at their house and look at how they keep their space because that is basically, they're not going to really change. Right. And so that's one piece of it, but also just to be really conscious about what some, how, what someone's relationship to space is like, for instance, maybe uh, someone likes really modern furniture and you love antiques. Well, how's that going to work? And so a lot of times when people blend their spaces, the, in, in, almost all cases, they are not necessarily harmonious with each other. (laughs) And so you have to have a roadmap for that. So that again comes in life coaching and I've helped lots of couples explore and discuss. And I will tell you this, this is one of the most interesting things that happens with couples is energetically, if they're not getting what they want and they become unhappy in their life, in their relationship, in their space, they'll start doing things in the space that that are what I call energetic squatting. Huh. And it's ener- it's energetic things that they do that just say this is mine, it's territorial <laughs> or I'm going to do it this way just because and it's a way of kind of fighting on the subliminal, you know, right. or the, right. <laughs> the physical trying to overpower uh,
0: each other with furniture. Yeah. Or
1: just like not letting go of a piece of furniture because it's hideously ugly. But <laughs> but but it's it's not about that. It's about and I always say this, it's not about the paint, it's not about the furniture, it's about something deeply underlying what's going on. And so as a life coach, I could dig that out yeah. and put it on the table for a decision. Wow. It's just
0: yeah. So w- not only what's happening. Ha- not only do we mm-hmm. have to get the love language, but now we should probably have a space survey too, right?
4: <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's actually right
0: yes <laughs> all right well we're going to take a caller we have on the line we've got rose from Snohomish. rose are you there yes i am hi hi rose so tamra do you want her to just describe her nightstands sure w- yes hi rose what's your what's your question hi. um oh i i was
4: just didn't know if you could tell any i mean i wasn't really sure what um you know what would be the best way to find out something?
1: Well, are you are you talking about your nightstand? Yes. Is okay and is there something going on on your nightstand that you're curious about?
4: Oh, not no, not really. No, I just didn't know if that I wasn't sure, I guess. I thought didn't know if you could just tell or
0: based I, on what I, your I nightstand really... looks like? Yeah. yeah. Can, can well, you describe me, it? Let, yeah.
1: Yeah. What that? Let me let me tell you a little story, Rose, and this might prime the pump. (laughs) So, a a woman that I had recently gotten divorced, and I did her home, and it was you know new house post divorce, but she had new bedroom furniture, and so when we were doing her nightstands, of course, I looked on them and in them and around them because everything that you hold in your nightstand has energy and this transition that we do from night to day and day to night is really important. And so if we take are taking if something's around our nightstand or in it and we're taking that to bed and it goes into our sleep time and our dream time then we're subconsciously potentially working on something or trying to sort something out. There's no good or bad, it's just kind of the way it is. In this particular woman's nightstand, she Uh, I, I when I opened the bottom drawer was her photo album from her wedding, from her recent divorce. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So metaphorically, we say I say, what are you hanging on to? in this, in your divorce, what are you still trying to process? And what would you like to do with this album now? Because if you're trying to attract a new relationship into your life that you may want to store that, you know, I never say get rid of anything, but you may want to store that in a different location with a different purpose.
4: Oh, okay. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah.
1: So do, do you have uh, something in, in your nightstand that makes you curious?
4: I'd say what I have in my nightstand is I have a lot of spiritual books, mostly all spiritual books. There are some just um, fiction and things like that, but um, that's what I really have a lot of is my spiritual stuff's all next to my bed. And I have a um, pamphlet that I write down next to my bed every night, like 10 things that went on through the day that I'm kind of grateful for and blessed for, and, um, and I do that every single night. I write down on a piece of paper all the things that I kind of love about the day so that when I go to bed, I can end on a good note. I've been doing that for many years now, so I usually sleep pretty well. I don't have any bad thinking through the night. Um, I'm sure that helps. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, that's a great practice. Let me ask you a question. How many books do you have that are spiritual by your bed?
4: Uh, there's probably like 15. They're inside this. My, um, my nightstand opens up and it um, opens up like almost like a, well, it's like a door. And so there's two big shelves in there. And so I have a lot of different books all in there.
1: So I'll just give you this as something to to think about. So when we have a lot of um, a lot of books by our bed, uh, there Uh there are some symbology pieces to that could mean we think we don't know enough. It could be that we are filling our lives with something, but maybe we're not creating time enough for something else in our life as well. Okay, so those are just two patterns that have come up in the past in my work. Do, we, uh-huh. do either of those ring ring a true for you
4: um well i have cleared out some of the books over time um i still probably may be hanging on to more than i need to um i i ha- i'm pretty good about I'm, I'm pretty good at getting through things and letting things go and recycling things either to other people or actually to goodwill or things like that, that don't really serve me a purpose anymore. I'm not, yeah. yeah, So I,
1: I try to do that. So that's really good. And so my, and this may not be true for you, but if there are other listeners that might, this might resonate with, um, when I said, you had a do you have a lot sometimes a lot of books represents I don't think I know enough so here's the funny thing and I'm just going to twist this right over into spirituality so a lot of times when we're on a spiritual quest or a spiritual journey we're reading and we're learning and we're growing and we're we're Uh doing all of that work which is wonderful work right and then the the beauty of it is that it's already inside of us. We're just trying to learn what's inside of us already. So it's trusting that. So if I were in your home, it would not be about getting rid of books. It would be about this conversation about what that represents for you so that you can make your own decision about where you're at with your books and, 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 You know, because one of the things that happens with clutter clearing is if someone comes into your home and says, Oh, well, you have too many books on your nightstand, you should downsize Mm -hmm. that by, you know, 10, you go into resistance. People don't like that. They don't like change. Mm -hmm. And it's really never about that. It's really about that deeper question I would have for you of, you you sound like you've already done a lot of reading and a lot of work and what is it that you're really seeking is one of the things that I would ask you and I would ask you what is it that you feel like you you have you're grounded in now and you have now maybe some of those books are the ones that you can let go but it's not really about it's not really about the stuff it's about the representation of the stuff and what that says what that underlying story is does that make sense
4: It does a lot, actually. I really love that philosophy the way you are saying it. I I do think some. I mean, I do know a lot because I've been studying for gosh for many many years. Um, I started really as a teenager, and now I'm 64. And I mean, I really have read and studied a lot, and so I know sometimes I I do kind of feel. I mean, I know there's always new things to learn and to be. You know learning to grow but I do feel I know a lot of the things that I need to be always practicing on and you know kind of working on like I do a meditation every morning so that reminds me of kind of trying to stay centered and how to start my day so well well, hopefully Rose yeah
0: yeah hopefully she gave you some new insights so yeah great well thanks again for calling today
4: yeah thank you I really enjoyed it thank you
0: Thanks, Rose. Bye-bye. Well, with that, we're going to take another break, but everyone stick around for more Love from the Hip.
2: The passing of our loved ones always proves to be very challenging, but can be met with ease when working with someone who can hold space, compassion, and especially someone who works across the veil. Allow Sakura Sutter, multidimensional channeler and intuitive medium, to be your spiritual guide with the other side. No matter if you choose to communicate with your transitioned loved ones to help you with the grieving process, or connect with spiritual, galactic, and other light beings to explore and dive in more on your spiritual path, Sakura can assist you. Not only does Sakura channel insightful messages, but she also incorporates her metaphysical tools to help you move through blocks and unprocessed emotions and feelings, providing you with a closure, relief, and new mindset to move forward. So don't hesitate to take your first step towards healing so you can start living your life once again remote sessions available contact sakura at sakurasutter.com that's s-a-k-u-r-a-s-u-t-t-e-r.com
3: i want to take a minute and invite you on over to the love shack it's a little old place where we get to get together explore fresh perspectives Eavesdrop on juicy conversations and uncover the mysteries that nobody talks about, but absolutely influences our relationships.
2: And we're Tom and Stacy Bartley. We are the hosts of Love Shack Live, which airs every Thursday at one PM PST, eleven fifty KKNWAM. Yeah, come on over and join us.
3: com s a k u r a skin and mind
0: welcome back to left from the hip i'm spiritual hypnotherapist master esthetician and your host sakura Sutter. if you are just joining us life speech coach tamra fleming is here with us today so tamra i have to ask you my client said her boyfriend has zero nightstands what does that mean well i love that one zero nightstands so that can mean a lot of
1: things. Um, but symbolically, it could mean that there's not a commitment. Mm. I don't know. Now, when you have nightstands, sometimes, let, let me just quickly do a wobbly nightstand versus a solid nightstand can mean one of the partners is being weaker than the other in the relationship. One One nightstand that's I had the first one I did ever was a the man had a safe and the, the woman had a pile of books with a lamp on top of it. And their bat, their relationship was, was controlled by him and and she was submissive. So energetically, you have to look at who those people are and what that means. Sometimes it can be just a preference, but sometimes it can mean that person doesn't really want to stick around. I see.
0: Okay. Now, if one (laughs) is single, what can they do from a design standpoint to bring in a relationship energetically?
1: Yeah. And that I go back to feng shui because in feng shui, it says basically put two of everything uh, symbolically in a space. So if you have a bed, um, that's shoved up against a wall and you have one nightstand that doesn't really welcome the energy of a partner. So I always say, get two nightstands, create the nightstand for the person that you want, the partner that you want, put things on that nightstand that you think that person might read or like, um, and make it come to life. If it's, if it's not there, it's missing, or if it's kind of dead and dusty, then it's not energy that you're paying attention to in your life.
0: Wow. Now, so many people began renovating during COVID. What do you think is the metaphor behind this?
1: Yeah. Wow. Well, so when COVID happened, I basically kind of freaked out because I was like, oh my God, everyone is inside their houses and they're going to have to start facing each other and what's (laughs) going on in their houses. (laughs) Right. You know, so um, your question, rephrase your question again, because I want to make sure I answer it quickly.
0: What do you think is the metaphor behind everyone renovating during COVID?
1: Yeah. Okay. Renovating. Okay. So renovating. Okay. So if we can't change, be busy in the outer world, we're going to get busy on the inner world. And so you're going to start remodeling, you're going to start changing things. And the really funny thing about remodeling um, homes is that we tend to do that when we really want something in our lives to change and and hopefully get better. But we do that because of the the nature of change, The, the space we're in, we're not happy with it equals the space inside me I'm not happy with. And humans are rarely happy with what's inside.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> so, so now we start yeah, yeah getting busy. Mm-hmm. Now there was yep. also a lot of she sheds. What do you have to say about that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a she shed fan myself. <laughs> um, yeah. So now all of a sudden our the architecture of our homes does not match the purpose of our lives, the, the way we live our lives. So now we have kids at home, we have offices at home, we have kids doing homework at home, and we have no privacy. In the Western culture, unlike like African cultures, uh, like to be together. Western cultures, we like to be in our houses by ourselves, and we like to be separated. That's why we have <laughs> bedrooms with doors, right? Uh, and, and all in you know houses have all these privacy places. Well, so she sheds are just another level of manufacture of that need. So two things happened with COVID. People started to travel in campers and trailers and that kind of thing. They started to be mobile. But I think what that was really about is that separation of space and that takeaway of travel. Mm -hmm. So it was like, oh yeah, watch me. I'm going to get in my van and I'm going to drive across the country because I can, you know, that <laughs> kind of thing. Right. A she shed or any kind of a, a, a man garage or anything like that, a man cave, all of those are all about, I need space to myself. And I am a big fan of people having their own private space that no one else can touch. In other words, my room, my space has it my way. You don't get to come into my space and change things. Why is that? Because generally in our world before COVID, we needed to have sanctuary. And so we have to give it to ourselves. And the worst offenders of of giving themselves sanctuary are women. Yeah. Women, men have garages. They, they find it, they figure it out or they go hunting, they go in the outdoors or they do something. And this isn't, this is, these are very general statements, but it's only because of all the work that I've done with people and seen these patterns over and over and over. Sure. But a she shed is this like, oh my gosh, first of all, it's cute. And I have my own space and it's private and I can go there and I can shut the door and no one will bother me, whether I'm doing art, I'm writing or working or sleeping or playing or painting, Mm -hmm. whatever I want to do, that's my, my place. So we limited ourselves with our architecture and it's going to take you know, two or three decades for us to start working ourselves out. There's a lot of new architects that are coming up with new ways of living, but our whole lifestyles have changed for the most part. Right. We don't want big houses. We can't afford the, uh, elect- we don't want to have the electrical footprint, you know? So there's a lot of problems with where we're at right now. It's very similar to gas cars and electric cars, right. same thing.
0: Yeah. And the, yeah. so the, during that time, it made us self-aware of all of that.
1: So self-aware and, and trying to move towards something that's a little bit more conscious and a little bit more aligned to our new lifestyles, um, and comfort, because Mm -hmm. one of the things that got taken away from us, uh, in COVID was that level of comfort. Now we found that in different ways in the world, we went to a coffee shop or we went to a movie theater, or we went to, uh, you know, traveled to a, a hotel what we were stuck with in COVID is we had to make it happen inside of our houses on top of each other. Right. (laughs) Right. Not, not an easy trick. Not so easy. Not Mm at all. Yeah. It's a game changer and it will continue to change architecture. I work with other people who are in the green building industry and people who, who are building and selling homes. And, and it's, you know, I live in Montana, so we've got lots of open space, but I'm telling you that, you don't come here to build a mammoth house as as much as you come here to build something that's in relationship to nature where you feel comfortable.
0: Right, exactly. So. Well, thanks for sharing that. Well, how can my listeners learn more about you and also the book that you already have out?
1: Yeah, well, the book I have out uh, is part of my spiritual journey. It's called Upswing, uh, 80 Mindful Practices to Move Your Life from Bl- uh, Blues to Bliss that's a book I wrote in 2017. Um, but I have other books that I'm working on, but one is about this whole philosophy about this life space relationship and how to look at it differently. I don't, there've been, there have been architects and people that have talked about this, but it's not ever become a movement like Marie Kondo. And Mm -hmm. it really deserves to be out in the world. So hopefully, hopefully one day my book will hit the shelves and it will help people change their lives. But like you said earlier, you know, human beings, we don't tend to really want to change. And, in you know, I, I think that we like comfort and we like to have fun and we like to have comfortable lives, but we might not want to dig deeper and do the deeper work. And what I have to say to that is, well, move your sofa or move your desk or move your furniture to have an experience of transformation. Mm-hmm. Let your furniture do the work for you. And that way you can help yourself along on the transformational journey. But if you ignore it, you live in dissatisfaction. Yeah. And so what does that mean? You know, so and we're constantly doing our spaces. It's a never ending story A never ending story.
0: Exactly. Well, thanks again for being here today, Tamara. You're welcome. Yeah. And people can read go on my website at
1: meaningofspace dot I'm actually on a hiatus right now writing the book. So awesome. um, but I'm I'm here. You can get on my mailing list and join the Life Space Village, which is my um public group inside of Facebook.
0: Thank you. The again Life Space Canada.
1: Village. Thank You're you. welcome.
0: Thanks for having me. Sure. And thank you to Eric, (laughs) my stellar producer, you, the listener, KKNW, KBKW, and Cape Town Zone Radio. Tune in next Wednesday for another episode of Love from the Hip presents Go Beyond the Veil. Stay kind out there. Stay true to you. And don't forget, make self-love contagious. Go ahead. I dare ya.
3: Pretty, painless, and affordable. Find out more at sakuraskinandmind.com. S-A-K-U-R-A, skinandmind.com.